There's no greater impact you can make on the world than to help raise up future worshipers. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. The goal, accelerating the movement of God through sharing revival truth, stories, and reports. And now, your hosts, Bill Eliff and Kyle Reno. Well, welcome to the One Cry Podcast. We are so thrilled you're here. I'm Bill, and this is Kyle. And uh, Kyle, we've been looking at uh, how one man or woman can change history and really answering the question, can my life be used uh, in revival and spiritual awakening? Can it make a difference? Yeah. Uh, And the answer, of course, is a resounding yes. Absolutely. We see it all through Scripture. And today, we're going to kind of look at at really your a man who worshiped well. Yeah, he did. Now, you, you and I have been doing this for a long time. <laughs> I've seen some great worship <laughs> and weird, weird worship. Weird, yeah, weird worship. I, I remember uh, what we had in the beginning of our church here at the yeah. summit. We had a, a family who had a beautiful uh, young girl who uh, had Down syndrome. They sat down on the front uh, rows mm-hmm. of the church Every time the music started, she would step out into the front and just dance. And it was the most exhilarating. I can't tell you how many times uh, her her dancing to the Lord as a young child, so unhindered, so beautiful, you know. And I just thought that's great worship. That's great. Mm-hmm. And then I've experienced the other. <laughs> <laughs> I served in a great church. Uh that we had actually ballet magnificat yeah, was oh yeah, in that area, out of there, yeah. yeah. And uh, they would, uh, we had given them permission to, if they felt to worship the Lord through dance, to do it. And yeah. man, it was beautiful, right? Yeah. So that part was beautiful. But what I think it sent the subliminal like message to some that, well, anybody can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we had one lady one time. That came down and started dancing. Um, I don't know if it was before the Lord or how she had learned how to dance in the world. Yeah, <laughs> and everybody's looking going like somebody has to stop this and somebody yeah. has to stop this. <laughs> now, and that was sort of weird, bro. Yeah. So there is, yeah, there's there's worship that leads others to worship, right. and there's something that doesn't. <laughs> right. And uh, but but one man who worships well mm-hmm. can change everything. That's right. Yeah, and Moses was one of those men. Yeah, and we know Moses' life and the way God used him in a moment in redemptive history to lead the people of God out of captivity, you know, into deliverance in a powerful way. But there's some things along the way. And Moses wasn't this man from Jump Street, but he became this man. And you see in Exodus 33 this moment that I, got, I was really captured by recently, some things that he does as a worshiper that helps others come to be worshipers. Because, listen, right worship can change the world. Right worship can change the world. It says in Exodus 33, verse 7, said, Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. Don't you? A lot of times you might already know this story, and I'm going to tell you to slow down if you know this story. We skip to the fact that he's going to meet with God face to face, manifest presence, all those things. I'm going to talk about that. But hear me. Those moments of worship don't happen. Those moments of communion don't happen. If Moses doesn't take the time to walk outside the camp and and to put a tent up to meet with God, that takes a lot of effort. 
a lot of effort. And in those days, I mean, we're not talking about a pop-up tent. You know, like we're talking about driving stakes into the ground as they're moving and continuing on in their journey. Moses over and over and over again used to take the time to, to set and establish a place to meet with God. So just eyes like heart for a second here in this. If you want to be someone God could use to change the world, uh, you got to take the time to identify where's your tent of meeting. Where are you going to meet with God? Like, where are you? If you want to be someone that's greatly used of God, then you have to have times that you get far away from everybody else. You got to imagine the pressures for Moses of leading two million some odd people uh, in this great journey of faith. But he knew that for me to lead them, I have to be with him. For me to lead them, I have to give time, continual time to be with, with him. It said everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp, which is like the right after that. So Moses lives this and others lean into this. Like Moses himself would establish the tent of meeting outside the camp. And then it, it would, the picture in my spirit was, and once he le- would leave, somebody else would go, my turn. That the way that he worshiped God helped others come to worship God. The way that he would meet with God helped others meet with God. Like There's no greater impact you can make on the world than to help raise up future worshipers, help raise up people that know how to tarry in the presence of God. It says, whenever Moses went out to the tent, I want you to visualize this. You hear this for a second. We read the scripture, but I want you to see it for a second, to see it in your spirit. It says, whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up. Man, can you imagine that? They're like, hey, man, Moses is going out to the tent of meeting. Everyone would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. That's a, that's a pretty profound visual. Like, here they all are on this great faith journey. They've come out of captivity, moving into deliverance, and here's their leader. And they would, they would look and go, well, there goes Moses going to meet with God. And I, I realized something. Like People can get weird, and Jesus speaks to this about the Pharisees and the Sadducees that would stand on the street corners and pray long prayers to be seen by men. And man, we should never uh, try to put on a show as it pertains to our relationship with God. That being said, that's the extreme that way. Uh, I think people should be able to watch our lives and see us worship. I, I, think, that, I think that my children should, should know what it's like to stand at the doorway and see their dad worship. They should know the chair that I meet with God, that their mom meets with God. They should, they should know that I have my own tent of meeting. And listen, and my worship, Lord willing, helps awaken theirs. That my worship help awakens future generations of worshipers. So I just see this scene and it blows my mind thinking they're all standing at their tent doors watching go, here he goes. Moses is going to meet with God. God's going to speak to him. God's going to give words to us. Things is going to are going to change for us moving forward. said, when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak to Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. (laughs) Which I think, you know, why was the Lord, why did the Lord manifest his presence so much for Moses? Uh, Because, I mean, you got pillar... You got cloud, you got all these manifest visual things. Well, obviously Moses needed it. 
Mo- Moses needed moments, and if he's going to lead this great group of people, he needed to be changed by God's presence. But I think God met with him so that they could see. I think that God met with him in such a way so that at their tent doors they would go, God's real. God's doing something here. God's moving right now. And I, I would just say to our listeners today, hey, your moments in God's presence mean something to other people. You being marked by moments in God's presence help, helps others stand up and worship and go, yeah, he is good. Yeah, he is God. Yeah, he is powerful. Yeah, he is moving in our day. It says, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. As a man speaks to his friend. You know, religion ruins everything. It really does. It makes things plastic and and, uh, unauthentic. But at the end of the day, uh, what God wants for us is for us to really know him. And and Moses' relationship with God and his friendship with God was helping shape others' view of God. And so when he had come out of the out of the tent, which we know his face would shine with glory, you know, and he could speak of his God as his friend, it helped shape for Israel how they how they could see their own God, how they could know God personally themselves. And so the end goal of our worship's never us. It's ultimately God's glory and the good of others. And that others can walk into that. And so here, here's my encouragement for us today. You want to be someone that God could use to change the world? Uh, be the worshiper God created you to be. Have you attend a meeting? Have you mo- have moments in God's presence personally? Let others stand at the threshold of your tent of meeting. Let them stand at their house and see that there's something different in him. There's something different in her. That there's something special about their relationship with God, and I want that. I want that it would along it would awaken in them, for when you leave, that they would want to walk right in. That when you move away from your your times with God, and we always live in relationship with Him. I know that, but those special meeting moments that would make them go, "Man, I want to go meet with God too. I want to go spend time with Him." The key to this, I think, is consistency over time, putting in the effort setting up the place to meet with God, the time to meet with God, and actually going there day after day. And the end result of this is you raise up worshipers, but then, listen to me, you also raise up leaders. Listen, the last part of this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the Bible. It says, when Moses turned again into the camp, meaning like when Moses had his moment and he was over with and he was going to move into his day, said his assistant, Joshua the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent would not depart from the tent. And when Moses came out, Joshua would sit there and go, man, I don't, I don't want to leave yet. I, don't, I, don't, I just want to linger here with the Lord. So when God looked to call the next leader, it's no surprise they said, no, it's Joshua. Because Joshua was the closest person to the tent of meeting. Joshua was the closest person to those manifest moments, pillar, cloud, all those things. I say all that to say, uh, you're, you... You, in, in your personal meeting with God, are raising up the future of our faith. You are. Know it or not. We should be intentional in that, all those things. But when people get close enough to you to see how you meet with Him, they're the future of our faith. And that will change the world. We see this right here, Bill, but we also see it all across the Scripture. Well, you, you really do. And, you know, uh, Kyle, I've often said 
I've had the privilege of being around some great men and women through the years. Yeah. I, I cannot think of a single one or any that I've read about in terms of biographies or autobiographies right. that the core of their life was meeting with God. Yeah. Because I, you, you got nothing without that. Yeah, right. I mean, nothing. You, you, you're just bringing you to the table. Mm. And so you're going to affect the world, but maybe not in a great way. Right. You know, but men and women who are intentional about this, yeah. and that, that's what I love about what you're saying about Moses is the intentionality of yeah. this, that yeah. the Lord was calling him. He right. knew that he had to have it, and right. so he goes. Yeah. He goes. And I think people just don't go. They don't. They, they don't. They don't. You know, the Lord wakes him up in the middle of the night, and uh and he wants to talk to him in the quietness and the stillness and yeah. the solitude of that. And they just think, well, my sleep is more important. And what could be more important than meeting with God? Right. So everything comes out of this, right. you know. And I, I think if if there's one thing I hear out of that that we want to challenge people is when when do you meet with the Lord? What, yeah. When was the last time you met with God? Yeah, right. Well, it ought to be a matter of hours, yeah, not right. days. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> you know, and and then start now, right? Yeah. yeah. If if you don't right. don't be ashamed of your lack of in the past, repent of that, and return. That yeah. times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That today's a great day to set up a tent of meeting. You know, somebody helped me when I was in college, and it was during the Jesus movement, yeah. with a simple statement about this: having a set place, mm -hmm. a set time, mm -hmm. and a set plan. Yeah. So uh, I just started doing that. And I, you know, yeah. I had a place where I'd go to meet with the Lord. I had right. a plan right. and I had a particular time, yeah. you know, range yeah. that I would, well, you know, you, you don't do much without a plan yeah, like that. Right. So that has helped me through the years to get in a pattern, a right. rhythm for this. That's been the rhythm that Everything flows and from. You do that over time, and the Lord becomes a friend to you. Yeah, He becomes a friend to you, wow. not not just somebody you got to meet with. It's not an yeah. appointment, you not, know, not a duty, not a duty. But now I get to go meet with God. Yeah, you know, in this, and we want this for all of our listeners for right. sure. Well, let's pray this in, yeah, okay? And and let's let's pray it for everybody who's listening today. And and Kyle, why don't you begin, yeah. and then I'll close. Yeah, Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus uh, that all over our nation and all over this world that you would help us to establish our own personal uh, tent, a tent of meeting, a place that we would meet with you, God, times that we would give to you, Lord, that we would go far away. Uh, Lord, we'd find places, if that's just to another room, God, but if that's mm -hmm. to, away from where people are for a moment, to just meet with you. And I ask that you would help us get to know you as friend that mm. you would let us worship you and, and right. adore you and, Lord, give you the right uh, exaltation and all those things, God, not because we have to, because we get to see you, know yeah. you. And, Lord, I pray that that would help raise up the next generation of those that will do the same. God, That I, I pray that for our kids. Our kids would know that you know, my mom, my dad, they meet with God, mm -hmm. that, that, that my pastor meets with God, that, mm -hmm. our, that our church has is filled with people that meet with God and that we would just go nuts over what happens in a Sunday gathering, but we'd also talk about Tuesday morning moments mm -hmm. and moments where it's just you and the Lord. And so help that to be true in Jesus name. And Father, I, I, I'm shocked every once in a while when I 
realize in conversations with Christians and Christian leaders how, how many people are just not meeting with you. And uh, Lord, uh, if, if we want to be used, and Lord, you desperately desire for us to be used to change our sphere of the world, uh, we've got to let you be the head. We've got you. You call the shots. You direct the plan. <laughs> and Lord, that only comes with intentional time. So Lord, I I pray for all of us that this would become the regular rhythm of our life until it becomes the great passion of yes. our life. And and we see it's the pearl of great price, mm -hmm. and we're willing to sell everything mm -hmm. to possess time with you and uh, as friend to friend. So, Lord, uh, I, I pray that out of this uh, today would come some adjustments in our lives to make this happen for the glory of God, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Thanks so much, Kyle, for that. And and thank you, Lord, for this Amen. privilege. That's right. And uh, we want you to take a minute and listen to a great testimony of what God's doing with some world changers. Well, here we are on another podcast interview with another servant of the Lord. And uh, man, Bill and Kyle, thank you so much for week after week after week teaching us from Scripture on truths relevant to revival and then all the stories that you're able to bring together and, and to share with our audience. And so whether you're a pastor or a Christian leader or whoever you are out there, I just uh, am so grateful for the way you have partnered with us by just listening to these podcasts. And so my name is Byron Paulus, haven't been on for a while maybe, and I'm blessed to be the founder of the One Cry Movement. And the One Cry, by the way, is a cry for prayer and a cry out of desperation for God to come and do what we cannot do. And I was so blessed, uh, man, maybe a decade ago or so now, uh, to meet Scott Talby, who is a pastor in Portland, Maine. And when I heard his story uh, uh, about a decade ago, I was so moved because it is so much what I believe is on God's heart today on both how churches should be birthed and then not just birthed and planted, but how churches should continue ongoingly as it relates to the Holy Spirit and as it relates to prayer. So we have with us today, Scott Talby, Portland, Maine. Wow. New England. Is it uh, always snow there in Portland or do you get a little bit of summer? Uh, we get we get a couple months of summer. Yeah. I mean, July, August, best time. September's great time to be here. Yep. And you've been here about 20 years now. Yes. And I'll be happy to let our folks know I'm I'm from Southwest Michigan and you are actually from uh, Southwest Michigan, the same town that we reside in as a ministry. Never knew each other until I got to Portland and met you there. And, and it's just been kind of neat in our little small community uh, to see how God raised you up. But yeah, Scott, I want, I want our listeners, our viewers to hear um, maybe the birthing process. Um, I love your denomination, at least that you grew up in as a Christian church denomination. And I have so many friends and Dave Butts, who is National Prayer Committee chairman's on our One Cry executive leadership team. So I feel like uh, we have so much in common and aligned in so many ways. But I guess I, I want to start by why in the world 
would you want to go to New England to plant a church? I mean, isn't that one of the most difficult places that you can imagine to plant a church? So talk to us a little bit about that, Scott. Yeah. One of the pastors that I was talking to that I was serving alongside, he he asked, why why would you want to go up and plant seed on cement? And, <laughs> and that's kind of the way he saw it as well. And that really um, brought about the challenge for me in my heart to pray through the opportunities that were being presented to us. Wow. So you decided to go ahead and go to New England. I'm sure your wife was so excited about that. You had what, three children at the time, maybe? Yeah, yeah, three three kids, and uh, man, uh, we came up in 1998, and the opportunity didn't seem like the right fit. But then in 2002, um, we were invited to to consider a church plan in Portland, Maine, and so I I asked the the Lord if this is where He wanted us to go. We were in Ohio at the time, and I just said, if you want us to. Uh, plant a church in the Northeast, and I want you to give me a scripture that has the word East in it. And I, I want it to be a scripture that I don't remember reading. Um, and sure enough, about a week and a half later, this lady in a prayer meeting handed me a scripture that she said, I don't know what this is about, but I know it's for you. And um, and it was Ezekiel chapter 47, verses 1 to 12. I'm not sure if you know what, what's in that. Yeah, we don't have that one memorized. So you'd better uh, talk to us a little bit about <laughs> what's in that passage that yeah. would take you that far east. Yeah. It's an amazing passage. Um, as soon as I opened it, my, my jaw started to drop. But um, it, it talks about, it's Ezekiel 47, 1 to 12, um, where it talks about the river of God that flows from the throne of God toward the eastern region. And then it says, as the man went eastward with a measuring rod in his hand, the water was ankle deep and then knee deep and then became waist deep and then became a river that you could only swim in. And um, that by itself was amazing. And then the imagery beyond that talked about the river flowing from the throne toward the sea, the, down through the Arabah toward the Mediterranean. And when the river enters the sea, it says the salt water there becomes fresh and everything will live. And it says, or it, actually it says the salt water become, will become fresh and there will be fish of many kinds. And then the second part of that says wherever the river flows, everything will live. Well, the, the river represents the Holy Spirit flowing. And so the imagery began to, to become more important to me by far than the word East uh, could ever be. And so we, when I, when I read that to my wife, she said, well, how long did you have to dig for that one? Because she certainly wasn't interested in, in coming to Maine, but um, uh, about a week and a half after that, someone else gave me that very same scripture uh, one more time, um, unsolicited by me. And so in my heart of hearts, I was totally convinced that we were going to Maine, but God needed to show up for my wife in, a, in separate ways. And he, he certainly did. And so that's why we came. And, and we used that focus of God leading through prayer to, to move us in, into this space. So let's talk pre-launch, okay? I don't know, how long were you there before you actually launched a, a service? And what did that time look like? Uh, what were some of the things maybe God embedded in your heart during that season? Yeah, um, truly a total, we were here about uh, eight months before we actually launched. And during that time, we had a team of uh, two other couples with us and we were praying um, constantly uh, 
to just break into the community. And, and there was a person who came uh, to us, another believer, as a matter of fact, in Maine that we met, uh, who said, you'll be lucky if you have 50 people in the first five years. And, and so we, we, first of all, weren't going to base our decision on luck. And if it was only 50 people in five years, I, I'm not going is kind of the way I was thinking. Um, but so we, we got on our faces with our, our team and we just began to ask God that he would allow for the hearts of the people to, to trust us early on in this process. And indeed they did. And we got to build relationships with people, whether it was through carnivals or, or connections in the community. However, we were kind of breaking that ground even before the church launched. And then when we did launch, um, we saw him just bring people in that we just uh, were, were praying for. Actually, we, we, yeah. we could imagine it, believe it or not, because that's what we were coming for. And it was still though, one of those aha moments, like, wow, you have shown up God in a big way. So, so let's talk a little bit and go a little bit deeper into you say you and your colleagues that were planning the church got on your faces before God. Uh, what did that literally look like? I mean, daily, yeah. weekly, monthly? Um, yeah, pr pretty much every, every week, um, especially for the first part of the launch, um, we met in this old theater that we had to convert um, and we got, were able to use that for our launching uh, pad for the church. And we would just get on these dirty floors and we would just pray um, together as a team. And then as our advisory team was constructed as well, the first prerequisite was that they had a heart for Jesus. And the second thing was that they would be willing to bow those hearts before the Lord um, in prayer to seek him. And they too would join us on their faces before the Lord. And, and that became a, a weekly meeting and occurrence for our staff team. We would every Monday morning at nine o'clock, we'd just get on our faces before the Lord and cry out to him for what he wanted to do in this region. And then every Thursday, our elders would meet at 7.30 in the morning for about an hour to an hour and a half. And we didn't have an agenda. Our only agenda was to pray and to um, talk about Jesus together. And so the elders also would be on their faces. We, we appointed elders uh, about four years into our plant. And now we're 19 years into the plant and our staff still gathers. We were just together this morning for prayer as our staff team, we divide into smaller groups now. Um, but a th every Thursday you, you could walk past a, a particular room in the church building here and, and you would find our elders on the floor, um, praying even still today. That's just how we start our meetings and spend our time. So, wow. So as I talk to, uh, church planters, I guess, if you will, and, uh, they talk about pillars or core values, or this is kind of the foundation of our church plant. Uh, I mean, it sounds like prayer wasn't just an option. It was like it was really core and central. I mean, really core and central. You got to love Jesus and you got to pray. Is that kind of the, the that's, pillar? That's it. Yeah, and that, that is truly it. And it, I don't think it's changed in its value. In fact, only increased. And now we're, we're just pressing that into our church family as often as possible as we're trying to make disciples who make disciples and and teaching them to engage in Jesus um, in and pointing people to Jesus at every turn, trying to see Jesus in everything that's going on in their life. 
so that they can know that he's with them always and that they're able to engage and encounter him, not just during what we refer to as the chair time, where we, we do have that as one of our focus points uh, for our church family to develop a chair time where they choose the chair and find that quiet time, you know, in their space every day. But we're wanting them to take that beyond chair time and all the way through and really, really talk about Jesus as often as they can uh, throughout their day as they uh, encounter other people. Wow. So maybe maybe just quickly here in closing of this segment, and I'm, I'm hoping we get a second segment here, Scott, but um, there had to be some dark moments, some sense of impossibilities. Uh, what are we going to do? I know when I visited there at one point that, uh, man, you were desperate for just a place to meet. Uh, yes. Can you just share one or two maybe brief stories of when your back was against the wall and you guys were praying and you just saw God intervene? Yeah, um, and I, I hate to make this about a, a relocation piece, but I got to tell you, it was it was a spiritual heart change as well. But we we were running like four services in a tight space um, and grown to about 1,100 people in a, a warehouse by the airport. And uh, it was one of those deals where I had to quit talking when the jets were landing because it was so loud. And then we'd, we'd uh, <laughs> or when they were taking off, actually. Um, uh-huh. But we existed in that space for a good long time, and we were trying to find a space. And um, what we felt like instead of doing a multi-site, that God was wanting us to move one more time. And and so we had really asked for um, him to open up the doors to uh, uh, several spaces. Long story short, uh, most of them fell through. But the one that did uh, open up to us was a building we're in now about the size of a Home Depot. And and um, we felt like if we had that much space that we needed to build a community center through some other examples that we had witnessed um, where we had visited other church situations with big box opt- opportunities to, and things like that. So we um, were able to uh, actually get the funding. It was an amazing thing. The church came through in a huge way. We were asking for them to just show their affirmation by committing like $6.5 million toward the, the process. And they, they committed 7.2. And then those gifts came in at 98%. And it was, it's just remarkable by itself. But what was more remarkable was the community center actually being established and given to the, the area of greater Portland. And now this, this place is used by the FBI, by the army, by real estate groups, by companies that, meet and train their employees. We give the space away as a nonprofit to some, and we're able to, to rent the space. And, and so we have also, also have a pretty large playscape in the, uh, in, the, in the building itself. And so moms will bring their kids into play. And then eventually we'll find those moms making their way to the baptistry here in the church. And, and we build relationships all through this uh, opportunity. So that was a huge opportunity that got, uh, you know, open the door for. And that wouldn't be typical in New England, if I'm not mistaken. And I, I, I don't know of anything else in New England that's that's much like it, but we, we have seen the hand of God just move all through it. So, Well, Scott, thank you so much for sharing. And um, I'll tell you, it just continues to resonate in my heart to, the priority of prayer, the power of prayer, and the promises that you all claimed in the midst of prayer. 
and then the provision in every imaginable way, and most of all, the people that God has allowed your ministry there, East Point, to touch as a result of, of prayer. So we're going to come back uh, in, in part two here, and I've got a couple of questions I can't wait to ask you. And, and uh, so thank you for sharing today. I'm so blessed by this. Great. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. It's so thrilling to hear these testimonies of what That's God's right. doing in, in real lives around the country. And we look for a day when God just explodes in revival and spiritual awakening that we don't have time to tell all that's, that's happening. And uh, so we want to encourage you to join us next week, uh, spend some time meeting with God this week, and we'll see you next time.